Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome to Such a Pretty Podcast. Yes. Season two, episode one. And I'm so excited for this episode because one of my favorite people and one of the most amazing black women in Toronto. Oh my God. Amoy Henry is here, y'all. How are you, babe? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for creating this incredible platform for, you know, the sophisticated ratchet. Yes. Let me tell you, you can be both. We can be both. We're multifaceted. That's right. Dynamic. So as you know, Such a Pretty Podcast is a branch of my main lifestyle brand, Such a Pretty Mess. And it's a podcast for women in the know and on the move. I'm Miss Misha Gay, and you may know me from... Hashtag, I have a show on Vibe 105, um, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m., where we talk about politics, music, entertainment. We do a segment called Misha's Tea, where we talk about other people's business, and that's always fun. So um, you can follow me there at Such a Pretty Podcast, at Miss Misha Gay. And for this show, we have Amoy Henry, and she is a multifaceted woman. She does a whole bunch of things. And I actually went on your website, and I read up a little bit about you. So I just want a little bit of breakdown in exactly what you do. So basically what it says on your website is she is a public health and community wellness professional, a creative placemaker, strategic builder and producer whose life's mission is to produce and execute quality activations and initiatives for people and systems that drive change. So for the people that don't read on a everyday basis, <laughs> break that down. <laughs> um, okay, so I am an activator. I create experiences. Mm-hmm. I partner um, cutting edge brands and mm-hmm. institutions with upcoming entrepreneurs, creatives, and um, people with important causes and things mm-hmm. that they're they're bringing to the world and to the culture. One of the key things that I feel is important is um, just creating space. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, whether that's just brokering a deal or kind of creating the platform for incredible things to happen, that's mm-hmm. what I like to be a part of. I don't like to center myself in a lot of things and like call myself like, you know, that, whatever, but um, I like to just create the space. So, mm-hmm. so if I have like activity. a certain idea in mind and I don't know how to develop it, where to go, where to start, I will contact you. Yeah. So like I, mm-hmm. that's where the arm of my business development arm comes in or like just mm-hmm. um, doing like discovery and, and, and strategy and helping to cultivate meaning behind meaning and process behind your ideas and your visions. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of what I've what I've become over the years. Right. So it's like where do you how do you even start doing something like this? How do you start taking someone else's dream and helping them develop it? Yeah, so I think I I I really started by noticing gaps in our community and mm-hmm. noticing that um there weren't service offerings mm-hmm. for the things that we wanted, but we are the most imaginative and expansive people. Mm-hmm. We always have incredible ideas and we have ways of turning um, lemonade out of lemon. <laughs> and yep. we just, you know, we make do with what we have. And I think what I wanted to do is really just come in and create this create opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do I start? It started really with my organization, AfroSheet, mm-hmm. um, creating the platform for black women to be celebrated and expressive in a safe space in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I often felt like there weren't a lot of safe spaces for us. And so what that looked like was bringing brand partners, bringing mm-hmm. conversations to the fold, but having brands facilitate that mm-hmm. because they had gaps mm-hmm. and there, there were there were missing opportunities to tap into our networks and tap into our ecosystem as black women, black mm-hmm. creatives. Mm-hmm. So that just created like a ripple effect, like mm-hmm. producing after she getting all these women together from 500 to now probably like 800, a thousand women mm-hmm. um, brands we're starting to notice and then wanted to take part in that but you can't for you can't do anything with us for free like you know we're already exploited for free always so how can you do that um and we benefit from it now right Mm -hmm. so it's like 
having those conversations where, okay, your brand benefits, but we also benefit mm-hmm. as a culture and as individuals. So I was actually going to go into Afro Chic and the foundation for that and what you do. That started in 2010. So what made you want to create an event for black women? In 2010, we mm-hmm. had a different culture and a different environment um, than what we have now. And there was a lot of apprehension and a lot of, um, you know, just a, like we lived in a land of delusions, I'd mm-hmm. say, in Toronto, where at the in the year 2010, everything was really bo- focused on um, multiculturalism and mm-hmm. diversity. And mm-hmm. um, even though we were, you know, we were included in that. Um, we were also at the bottom of the spectrum yeah. as it relates to yeah. celebrating that. So our ideas and our talent, our virtues, our mm-hmm. abilities were exploited, but we were never the beneficiaries of mm-hmm. the of those outcomes. So I looked at a lot of organizations that were securing funds and mm-hmm. getting all the money from the city and all the foundations as a result of, of, of diversity, diversity initiatives and yeah. inclusion initiatives, but no black women were at the helm we're of benefiting those from that. Yeah. Those yeah. leadership, they weren't getting the funding. We were just on this like cyclical mm-hmm. cycle of like, okay, we're an intern or a contractor, mm-hmm. but all the leaders were white men or Indian men or people that didn't look like us. Mm-hmm. And so I was very adamant that, you know, I was going to create something and I was going to be a part of something that centered and platformed black women and gave us the opportunity to make decisions Mm -hmm. and execute them. Started with me and my three best friends at the time. We are Mm -hmm. high school. um, We were high school friends. We went to Tobago School of the Arts together. We all had different artistic disciplines and we, you know, Mm -hmm. came into this like cognizance of our natural hair. And like we wanted to talk about that, like Mm -hmm. the politics of black women's hair in in conjunction with the politics of being black in the corporate Canada Mm -hmm. landscape and Mm -hmm. being creative and black and, you know, all those different things and like how those nuances, you know, work together to form the dynamic nature Mm -hmm. of being a black professional, a black woman that's in the creative realm. So that's where Afro Chic was born. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, you know, things have evolved. People have transitioned, moved on, and it's now kind of pretty much me. Yeah. yeah. And a team that I've assembled pretty much in the past two to three years that have Mm -hmm. really come on to take this thing and try to really build it. Mm -hmm. Um, We created it because black women deserve it. Black women deserve safe spaces. Yes, um, we do. We deserve opportunities to be able to live our best, fullest lives Mm -hmm. outside of, you know, what is it? Society, society says, is says acceptable, or, yeah, or what makes people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We can be bold and be who we are, and multi-layered, right? Mm-hmm. Like Afro Chic is not about coming there and you know bringing your sage and your your big Afro <laughs> and like your that's head not, wrap. That's and, not necessarily being a black woman, right? That's you know? not the only. Yeah. I love every type of black mm-hmm. woman, and I want every type of black woman to feel welcome. So it's now something that we're turning into like a national platform. So mm-hmm. we want women from all across Canada mm-hmm. who identify as black to be able to say, okay, Afro Chic is this, this, this Mecca yeah, for black for women black in women. Canada mm-hmm. to, to migrate to in the summer, to come and see each other, to network, to mm-hmm. share business cards, to follow each other and to mm-hmm. support on like a national basis and yeah. create like these ties and these long-term relationships that mm-hmm. could then result in, you know, business, future business, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to go to the States to see content. We don't have to go to, um, Atlanta or New York or mm-hmm. LA for to, to learn what's happening next. We're creating we create it, here. it here. We're cultivating exactly. it here. And yeah. our community is, is, is flourishing mm-hmm. as a result of that. Right? Like the whole goal is to build generational wealth and form like consistent economic growth mm-hmm. across our communities. Right? So, so. I, I noticed with um, Afro Chic, you've now transitioned it to Afro Chic Global where mm-hmm. you've done a few events. You did Miami uh, last, last yeah, yeah. <laughs> December for, um, what was it in Miami? Uh, Art Basel. Art Basel. Yeah. And most recently you did Afro Chic Ghana. Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the lam- landscape like when you're visiting other places and how are you able to actually get into those spaces? Yeah. So it's such a different vibe Mm -hmm. um in toronto we have the relationships we know the vendors Mm -hmm. we know the companies and the institutions that will help to push our 
our um, mm -hmm. our vision and our strategy forward. When we look at taking our brand to other countries or other you know places, especially like staples in the entertainment mm -hmm. realm, like Miami, that's a different conversation. That takes a lot of brokering. That takes a lot mm -hmm. of negotiating and developing relationships because they don't know what to expect and they're not necessarily sure what you're bringing. Because it, exactly, it's an outside entity, it's right? Outside yeah. entity. So what that looks like is just you know. Creating a proposal mm -hmm. and kind of doing some research and understanding what the dynamic is in that specific town or mm -hmm. city that you're going into and making a value proposition to the partners that are there and mm -hmm. showing why you're bringing something that's meaningful and content full to what they have. Mm -hmm. Because let's be honest, they already have shit pop and they already have really, really good, solid infrastructure and mm -hmm. great things happening so what can you do that's different so yeah. what we did with miami is we brought canadian talent down and converged them all in a stage with miami talent for mm -hmm. our basil so it was like a mixture of the two communities and the toronto artists that came down benefited by being able to network with executives in the music and tech industries mm -hmm. and the miami um talent that was there was able to network and benefit by by networking with the creatives mm -hmm. and the talents from toronto that came in so we created like that hybrid for ghana oh my god that was right? a different beast i was like that because it was the whole return, return to africa yeah. yes the year of return and um it was the afro what festival was it that you were a part of so we were part of a multiple multiple like different activations mm -hmm. our specific was year of return yes but we worked in conjunction with a group called Afrochella and they do this yes. big festival, mm -hmm. um, which is basically like the African response to Coachella. Coachella, yeah. And everybody from the continent, you know, mm -hmm. comes together and migrates on the land, the motherland for yeah. Afrochella. But um, it was interesting because we didn't specifically do partake in specific work with them or curating or anything, but they lent their resources mm -hmm. and, and and support behind us they pushed everything and that's what it's about really yeah. connecting with people never yeah. even met in person but we literally were connected through um mm -hmm. i think it was like shaka bars and fuse mm -hmm. odg and they were like hey you mm -hmm. got to support these girls from canada they're doing some big yeah. things and they just came behind us and, and they opened up pushed us forward yeah. um as big brothers really because mm -hmm. we were this is our first time programming content yeah. on the the motherland and yeah. we didn't know what to expect and we didn't know what we were that going has to be into. a different beast right so oh yeah. whew, it was different <laughs> that's the right word. but you did it girl so yeah we did it we did yeah. our show we worked with uh google and mm -hmm. ancestry in order to kind of get that activation to go mm -hmm. through we had some great partners so kendall and kendall who's a really oh, yes i did funny hilarious um, uh, instagram influencer yes. and he he stars on the show called games people play on bet mm -hmm. um he came down as part of our activation we had why not keep chantelle riley um and a couple other really really cool mm -hmm. influencers joseph adamu they all like like lent their star power behind what we are trying to do in ghana and kind of just give a canadian presence to the year of return because yeah. that's key right it's true. we're celebrating the international decade for people of african descent but what was the canadian government doing in response yeah. to the year of return nothing nothing so it was kind of bittersweet in a sense because mm -hmm. although we kind of went out there and we did what we had to do um, it's still a lot of awareness that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. needs to be built. You know, we need to create more awareness. We need to convince more people of dias of the diaspora to go to back, go back home. home. I know to invest in that ticket yeah. and see what's out Where there. We've from. been lied to. I know girl. this whole time they're living better time. than us. And exactly. We've been told that you know they're spoon fried mm -hmm. food and that Africa looks like this. Are, you know, their, yeah. their bellies are big. Yeah, and they're yeah. Like starving. And it's all a lie. You're also doing Pitch Better. Uh, mm -hmm. That's something that you recently started to do where you're teaching people how to pitch their businesses and more. So maybe yeah. you can go into that a little bit more. Yeah. That initiative. So Pitch Better is a kind of like a women entrepreneur safety zone. Mm -hmm. um, women entrepreneurs are the black women entrepreneurs, I'd say specifically, mm -hmm. are the least funded, least supported. Um, and yet we outperform by 160 percent yeah um there's a new documentary she did that yes on netflix, on netflix. i think everybody should yes, watch that they yes. have some really interesting statistics and data mm -hmm. around black 
women entrepreneurism in the States, but I think there's an interesting thing happening in Canada as well with black women out mm-hmm. here and women, diverse women overall, because our pitch better, you know, attracts women from all walks of life. A woman mm-hmm. from Montreal came all the way to our Toronto um, pop-up workshop. Mm-hmm. So pitch better really exists to unlock the power moves and secrets of the trade for women entrepreneurs and show them how to scale their businesses, scale, pivot, and develop their businesses to be able mm-hmm. to attract large-scale funding. Mm-hmm. And so um, some success stories are, you know, people have been able to get their businesses trademarked. Some people have been mm-hmm. able to secure, you know, funding from investors that want to buy in. Mm-hmm. People have been able to attract sponsorships to be able to, you know, produce events and like different mm-hmm. initiatives around their nonprofits and their charities. And so that makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, Pitch Better really exists because there's gaps. There's a lot of funding out there. There's a lot of resources out there, but we necessarily don't have access to them because we have a lack of awareness mm-hmm. and a lack of proximity to it. And so we're trying to create that bridge and we're trying to build mm-hmm. the confidence and build the um, awareness in women entrepreneurs so they know that mm-hmm. that bag out there is for you. It has your name on it. So go and get it. And I think that connection between having an idea or even having a business and not knowing where to take it or what to do with it to make it the most successful thing. And for a lot of black women, specifically black mm-hmm. women entrepreneurs, we don't know yeah. <laughs> what our options are. Right. And sometimes we feel yeah. confined or limited to our own communities. Yes. Sometimes we practice informal business structure, mm-hmm. um, business management. Yeah. So sometimes we do have these incredible dope ass ideas and like, ways that can actually change mm-hmm. the world but we don't even have our business registered we yeah. don't even have a tax number hst number yeah and so we don't have the systems and the infrastructure in place to be able to scale and to be mm-hmm. able to bring people on so we end up being boggled down as solo entrepreneurs mm-hmm. not being able to scale our businesses and you know garner more profits and more revenue because we are essentially just tied down to what we're doing because we don't formalize our structures yeah. a bit more, yeah. right? And so one of the really interesting things about mm-hmm. our program is going through the modules and going through a system where we coach women to see themselves as a corporation. Mm-hmm. See your business as a corporation. See it as an entity that could then employ people and something that you can will to your kids. Mm-hmm. Like any business that you have now can essentially be an asset. Yeah. Generational wealth. Yes. Generational yes. I love it. I absolutely do. Okay. Let's get into just a fun little game we like to play before we get into other topics of the show. It's called Pretty or Pretty Messy. So mm-hmm. this is where I position <laughs> certain things and you tell me if it's pretty or that shit pretty messy. So my first thing I want to ask you about when we were talking about a little bit um, before we started recording (laughs) was the Toronto dating scene. Is it pretty? pretty? (laughs) (laughs) Is it what Chile or what child? Like, why do people say Chile Chile or child, child, honey? Child. So the Toronto dating scene, pretty or pretty messy in your perspective? Lord. There's no pretty. It's just messy. <laughs> like it's a disaster. It's a hot right flaming now. mess. So yeah. why do you say it's messy? Whew. There are so many competent, incredible, beautiful, strong, fit, sexy, cultured, traveled, dynamic, ambition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ambitious. Sorry. Incredible women and then there's the men. <laughs> <laughs> And so the so, men are lacking. So is they're what great you're men. Yes. They're great men. Mm-hmm. They're just outnumbered. Yes. And the the great are outnumbered by the greater. Mm. And then the um the ones that are available. <laughs> <laughs> dot dot dot. Dot dot dot. They are on something else. So you find that women are obviously like I feel like we've passed oh, men. Oh, for sure. In we terms have of past them. yeah, in terms of just growth, development, knowing thyself and what mm-hmm. and and willingness want. to to pivot and adapt mm-hmm. and 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 kind of just know you know our potential. Mm-hmm. So the men out there that I've experienced, um, whether friends, platonic, or like mm-hmm. doing business, you know they're great. But then when it comes to partnership, they don't have. You know, they're missing some links. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to say it's messy. Yes, it's our best. Messy. Okay, but are we blaming men for not stepping up? Or blaming women for being too lit? (laughs) 
or are we blaming women for asking for too much? Do you find that we ask for too much from no. these men? No. Okay. Your my existence and my greatness is not to the detriment of you. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to inspire you and it's supposed to help elevate you. Mm-hmm. I'm not in a competition with a man. Yeah. Um, my purpose on earth is to not compete and to minimize you. My purpose on the earth is to be the best me mm-hmm. so you can best be the best you and then we can combine our efforts and be a greater two. Mm-hmm. Right? So you, so, so you find that men aren't carrying their weight necessarily and that's the problem. And I think they are facing a host of socioeconomic and spiritual psychological issues that I don't even understand because I'm not a black man or mm-hmm. I'm not a man, like an eligible like man. man like I don't that. know what they're dealing with mm-hmm. but I know that they're dealing with things and I know that the stakes aren't too high. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing really to work towards Mm -hmm. but what i think for black men is um accountability Mm. recognizing that there's certain things that i need to work on in order to be a better man whether it's for a woman whether it's for myself whether it's for society there's certain things i need to work on to be better and men it's hard for them to take accountability to say to accept that there's shortcomings and things that I need to work on. So I think that's where the disconnect is because there's women, and I know for myself I can speak, where I am aware of the things that I need in order to be my better self, Mm -hmm. the things that I need to work on in order to be my better self. And there's people need to start doing that a lot more in order to be productive. So I think that's the disconnect on the dating scene currently so i will agree with you that it is messy not pretty messy but just straight up messy messy. what are the steps that we have to take though like there's got to be i've been hearing people complaining about this since i was like in my i think honesty Mm. i think being honest with yourself and your partner or your potential partner or whoever people have a prob a problem being honest first with themselves mm-hmm. in terms of what they want mm-hmm. and what they're um they want in a partner yes so yes, yes. okay that makes sense so yeah they would like kind of string you along yes they're trying to figure it out because they're trying to figure it out as well where it's unfair to um project certain things on somebody that you're unsure so it it just creates a back and forth of i don't know i'm not sure about you and i'm not sure about you so let's like fucking just be unsure together (laughs) just be unsure together (laughs) and do all types of fucked up unsure things to each other you know so people have to be honest with themselves and their partner so honesty with yourself first yeah please honesty and heal and healing heal yes before you go to any person that you see on Mm -hmm. point and doing their thing Go and get your healing and go and release those traumas that you're carrying because that other person doesn't Mm -hmm. deserve it. They do not deserve it. Work on yourself first before you inflict any pain on On anybody else. Fact. Okay, so moving on from the Toronto dating scene, which is just messy. (laughs) Ain't nothing pretty about it. (laughs) Okay, so I wanted to go into uh, this conversation as we were talking about um, in terms of you being a black female entrepreneur and how you function in terms of dealing with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was Ooh, an article. I know, I'm about I the opposite sex. <laughs> hey. So there's a New York Times article by Joan uh, C. Williams, mm-hmm. and she talks about how women can escape the likability trap. So she explained the whole idea of likability. Uh, when it comes to business and politics was introduced in the 19th century. So it became closely associated with male business success. Now, it's obviously taken on other terms when it comes to promotion, magazines, radio and television in terms of people liking you mm-hmm. as a person and mm-hmm. buying into your brand yes. kind of thing. So it's now mainly an issue for women that we have to deal with being likable in order for somebody to do business with us. So a part of this idea that being likable was a quality that could cultivate a means of getting ahead. So do you find that you have to be likable in order to bu- to do business? Mm, that's such a good question. I saw like a... Um a meme before on founder Mm -hmm. um, Instagram and it basically suggested that the any investors or any people that want to back a business they have to like the founder they have to actually Mm -hmm. believe in the founder or the person that's pitching it 
before they believe in anyone else or believe in the actual business. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is a truth to that. I think that there is, you know, facts behind the fact that you have to be credible Mm -hmm. as 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 a person. And sometimes you don't even have to be credible. You have to sell the hell out of what you're doing and do it well. But do you find that being likable and being nice Mm -hmm. more so something that a woman has to do as opposed to a man? You know what? I found that as being a founder and being a business strategist, Mm -hmm. when I walk into meetings on behalf of my clients, depending on those um, companies or brands or institutions that I'm meeting with, Mm -hmm. uh, just off the strength of if they like and respect me, will they write me a check for that company? Yeah. Sometimes the founders will go in on their own and they have no, Mm -hmm. they have no, you know, legs to stand on Mm -hmm. essentially because they don't have, that relationship where they're not quote unquote liked or they're not quote unquote known or respected. Mm -hmm. And so they're asked out. So I do think as a woman, we do have that. um, We kind of experience that as a limitation where Mm -hmm. we have to kind of over posture or we have to present ourselves as like more demure, Mm -hmm. more sexual, more passive, Mm -hmm. um, essentially likable. Mm -hmm. Um, when we're dealing with uh, people who write the checks. Mm-hmm. So, Do I think it's fair? No. no. But right? I think that is a part of life. And I think that until somebody, you know, creates more women millionaires, that's what we, that's have, what to we have to do. And so that's why we're here. What pitch better? Yeah. We're, crea- we're trying to create more William- more women millionaires. Yes. Sorry, I'm a little busy. <laughs> and okay. so when we are more in a position of power and we are able to make more decisions mm-hmm. and we are able to decline Mm -hmm. things because we have our own bag then yeah yeah. but for now we have to do what we have to do to get where we want to be right and it's unfortunate so according to Jonesy Williams in her article she does say that powerful women know how to flip feminine stereotypes to their advantage and she asked why do women do this more than 40 years of research by social scientists have shown that a good woman is defined as helpful modest and nice Mm -hmm. so in other words focused on her family and community rather than working on her own self-interest. So for a man, the ideal uh, definition of a man is direct, assertive, competitive, and ambitious. Mm. So this version of male masculinity is perfect for business or politics, right? Absolutely. So for women in leadership roles, they have to transition male qualities. So being direct, assertive, and competitive, Mm -hmm. they have to kind of filter that through a feminine lens. lens So that it's more palatable for men Mm -hmm. to accept it. Do you find that you do that? Yes. Really? All day, every day. But I make so many enemies because <laughs> I will start off like really like sweet and sensual. And yes, mm-hmm. I'm that girl. And then when they cross the line and they try to be thing, then I just turn ratchet bronzy. Like, mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, who are you talking to? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Why would you say that? Like, yeah. We're not on that. We're not on that. Yeah. So, yeah, it is very hard. I think being in a society where we are groomed to... Um, we're, we're kind of trying to adapt to this new way of being, Mm -hmm. um, but also having a very traditional mindset. So in our, sorry, not traditional mindset, but traditional expectations Mm. from men, Mm -hmm. but adapting to the society where you're not stepping up. So we actually have to just do what we got to do to pay these bills Mm -hmm. and to get what we need to get forward. Mm -hmm. It's a hard battle that we Mm -hmm. have to face because Mm -hmm. the men that we interact with or deal with in business are expecting you know us to be kind of dependent on them or kind of like aqueous to like whatever their expectations Mm -hmm. or their their demands are but we kind of come with our own well i'm more educated than you i make more i know exactly what i'm doing i know how to execute this better than you ever could but we still have to humble ourselves Mm -hmm. to make room for their masculinity yeah. and their egos to not offend their masculinity and their egos exactly by presenting ourselves, ourselves as just too competent and just too excellent too for them to handle for them to handle right so yeah we kind of have to tread that fine line of okay am i going to be too great mm-hmm. for him to be able to deal with and handle I've, I've had an unfortunate challenge of of doing is 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 kind of dumbing myself down sometimes to be mm. able to 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 get in to get in the door right so you give 
they put the medicine in the candy, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of mm-hmm. get what you have mm-hmm. to get. Still maintain your integrity. You don't have to sleep around or you don't have to do certain things to get things accomplished. But you have to definitely massage your way in. And you can't come in there like a big dildo. You have to come in like a really nice moisturized. <laughs> Um, soft, soft, warm, warm, <laughs> you know, succulent, succulent, just ready, <laughs> ready to and, go. Yeah. You know, I'll, you have to come like play fool to catch wise, to catch wise, right? And and really buy your way in that way. What do you recommend for those women that don't necessarily? They've never experienced this. They don't know that they would have to transition masculine. Traits, traits into, into feminine them. traits in order to make a man feel better to do business with them. What advice do you give that woman? No one can de- deny your results. Mm-hmm. Manage your numbers, mm-hmm. manage your finances, and keep track of your wins. Mm-hmm. Document everything and be able to have substantive materials and literature to back everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So whether that be your financial, your income statements, your business proposals, your plans, have your projections, have your numbers on point mm-hmm. men. And I find a lot of people that deal in the analytics and business world, they deal with numbers. Numbers lie. I mean, men and women lie, numbers don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have the results and you have the um the actual data behind what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's undeniable, mm-hmm. right? Um, the soft skills and the allure and the, just the, the presentation is cherry on top. What you actually need to bring to the table as a business owner is a way to show them how them investing in you or backing you will mm-hmm. help them in the long term and make an investor be like, okay, I'm still getting money. So that's yeah. what you need to be able to bring to the table. The data and mm-hmm. the infrastructure and the, the, the understanding of your business and your audience. Yes. So no one can deny you. No mm-hmm. one can deny greatness. So even though you're going to make it more palatable for men to receive this mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. and woo-woo them through the process, you as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you have to be prepared and knowing what you want. Yes what you're looking for, what you have as well when you are presenting your your business to potential men that are the gatekeepers and the owners of these things. So ladies, if you do have a business model, business plan in mind, make sure you develop it. And if you are presenting it to a man, (laughs) make sure you make it as palatable as you can. I just want to, I find that, um, I just want to know at what point can we like truly be our genuine self and say, hey, I have like a man. Hey, I have this business idea here. They don't even have to come with all the numbers. I know. That's what I'm saying. Why we have to be so prepared. Um, because there's just this notion that we are nurturers and Mm -hmm. we are here to harvest and support the ideas, not establish them on their, on mm-hmm. our own. Mm-hmm. So it's just about flipping that narrative. Yeah. So I wanted to go into this segment. I renamed it. It's called Such a Pretty Mess, my hair and makeup segment. And one thing I wanted to talk about is hair love. Mm. I don't know if you heard about hair love. It's uh, won an yes, Oscar award. Yes, won the Oscar. Yes, for best short film. And it's all of seven minutes long and it inspired a whole world of things. So it's basically a film that tells the heartfelt story of an African-American father learning to do his daughter's hair for the first time. And the film is by Matthew A. Cherry. Mm. And it's such a sweet little story about loving and appreciating you, your hair, what is on your head and this is what I pretty much do in my walking life at the same time. Yes. And we had this connection earlier this week as well because I did your hair, girl. Yes. <laughs> Helping me transition to like three months of no wigs. No Ooh, wigs. Child. I know. Ooh, child, no wigs. But I'm getting so many compliments. People are just like, I love your natural hair. Like, why don't you wear it more? And I'm like, <laughs> I can see protective style. I know. I know. But I'm, I'm unprotected right now. But mm-hmm. like my goal is to, to just love my I, you know, love the state of hair that I have when it's not protected. when it's not protected. And I think that's the the goal 
of one of the goals of mine because I'm um, a naturalista, I would suppose, but I'm a naturalista in a, a different way because I can appreciate a protective style mm-hmm. and I can appreciate changing your looks and doing all those types of things, but everything in moderation yes. to me. Yes. And I find that a lot of black women, they rely so heavily on outer things yeah, and for beauty. Yeah, and it's not our fault. Like, imagine what we're what's impressed upon us mm-hmm. and what's forced down our throats and like people will take our natural looks and like what we naturally are capable and great at and then make millions off of it mm-hmm. right something that comes natural to us <clears throat> cueing the kardashians mm-hmm. and the jenners and we support that and we follow and like it mm-hmm. and so what does that do to our self-esteem exactly and then we bring up a legion of younger women coming up who are buying into that mm-hmm. as well and that's right? and that's the thing on them, non-black people, on them, it's, oh, it's so um, fashion forward. It's it's That's a different... A nice trend. It's, a tr- oh, it's trend. so trendy. But for us, Meanwhile. it's ghetto mm-hmm. and hood and all these things when it's on us. But on everybody else, it's so fashion forward. And oh my God, they're transitioning a new age in fashion. But if you think about it, it's been hundreds and hundreds of years of messing with our... Mm, psyche. Psyche and mm-hmm. teaching us that us being ourselves and being who we are is not good enough so in order to get out of that it's going to take things like this like being recognized like on the biggest stage for a film about black hair it's going to take things like this and there was a ruling and i want to talk about this for a minute because this actually set the the standard for how workplaces are receiving black hair so in new york there was a ruling A particular person was offended by how her employer was treating black women with their natural hairs out, whether it's braiding style or a big fro, twist outs, whatever, curly do's. Um, They were discriminating against them. So you can't wear your hair in a fro. It has to be straight. It has to be pulled back. It has to be this, that or whatever for it to look, quote unquote, professional. So they 2020. This was this ruling came down in 2019. So like literally like, like year, yeah. in the past couple of years, we're still fighting this fight when it comes to natural hair and being professional. So this actually set the standard for even how we function here, because employers cannot can no longer tell us that our hair is not professional if it's in a fro or if it's yeah. in braids or whatever. Yeah. So in New York City, there was a lawsuit filed against a celebrity hairstylist, Sally Hirschberger, and business partner, Sharon Dorham, for mm-hmm. discrimination based on hair. And they lost. They have to pay this person $70,000. And the Crown Act, they have a Crown Act now in New York the state of New York that says this is the first of its kind case resolution and it sends an important message to all employers that anti-black hair discrimination has no place in our diverse city. Uh, so whether whatever city you are at or you are in country, whoever, they can no longer discriminate against you based on your hair and your haircuts, mm-hmm. your hairstyling. So, right. And I have this conversation on a daily basis with mm-hmm. my clients because I do hair as well. I feel like I've been thrust in a position where I'm dealing with a lot of women or I come across a lot of women that aren't comfortable with their natural hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like m- making them comfortable with their natural yeah. hair. It's just sad that we got to a point where we felt like we were more ourselves having something foreign attached to yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just glad that we're at a point now where we can be our full selves mm-hmm. and wearing our natural styles. Because for some reason, people are so caught up in black hair at work. I'm hair changing Misha. Yeah. I don't even change my hair very often, but I'm hair changing yeah, Misha. There's such a fas- fascination when it comes to black it's, hair. We're politicized. Mm-hmm. We're sexualized and we're politicized. Mm-hmm. So our ways of being are very fluid and mm-hmm. we're constantly changing and we're constantly adapting and we have like all these protective measures to be able to navigate and um, adapt to society mm-hmm. versus them. They just come bland and pink every day. Yeah. And so because we adapt and we maneuver and we, you know, mm-hmm. switch and change, it's very hard for them to process that because they don't have the privilege of doing that. Mm-hmm. And for people who are very privileged because they don't have the privilege of doing that, it's offensive to them. And I just want to make sure that black women are aware that 
you don't have to conform to these Absolutely standards not. and uh, stereotypes of what it is to be professional and professional looking. As long as you are clean, <laughs> your hair is combed, you are a professional, honey. We are going to continue to face this until we are the leaders or mm -hmm. we are the owners or we are the decision makers at our companies. Mm -hmm. So we have to continue to build our tribes, build our networks and build our resources to be able to get into positions of power mm -hmm. where we own these structures. It will never change yep. if you ask our oppressors mm -hmm. to bend backwards to help us. We will never, never get anywhere. We just have to. You have to do to it a yourself. Where we feel that we are making those decisions and we are writing the checks, mm -hmm. then everything will be okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It might take a hundred years, right? Sis. But we gonna do but it. We gonna do it. In sis. the meantime, do it. in the meantime, <laughs> ladies, love, love yourself. yourself. <sighs> Anyways, so let's get into a quick segment of Misha's tea. When you hear the kettle boil, that means it's time for Misha's tea. Grab a cup of happening news to go. Get it, girl. It's Misha's tea on Vibe One Hundred Five. And I like to do the uncensored Misha's tea because we always talk about these things. I'm on the radio and we have to be censored and we have to be professional and whatever. But I want to talk about this whole Oprah Gale black men situation. And shit definitely hit the fan these past couple of weeks because as you are aware, black Twitter has been dragging Gale for filth these past couple of weeks because <laughs> <laughs> because of her interview with WNBA star Lisa Leslie and she wanted to talk to her about the legacy of Kobe Bryant you are living under a rock Kobe Bryant unfortunately passed away in a helicopter accident him and his 13 year old daughter and seven other victims were in that plane crash oh at the God. end of January and it's been the, the day past for my birthday. Like, why? I why? know. I know. It's past couple of weeks of mourning. And um, in regards to speaking about Kobe's legacy, we always want to be bring up things in the grand scheme of things when it comes to discussion about his legacy and whether or not that 2003 case of sexual assault, abuse or whatever uh, is a part of his legacy. So Miss Gale, or should we call her Fail King? Oh, shit. <laughs> That's her new name. Fail King. Mm -hmm. King had, <laughs> had this interview with WNBA star Lisa Leslie and she wanted to talk to her about Kobe Bryant's legacy and whether or not the sexual assault allegations complicate his legacy. And people took offense to this line of questioning, especially her rebuttal to when Lisa Leslie said no. This is a very sensitive topic and it's so hard to navigate because number one, I'm not, I don't have my 100% full faculties mm -hmm. at this moment. Um, it's so hard for me to address it. I think it was unfortunate timing, mm -hmm. but I do think that's a very important question to ask i'm learning through doing this mba my master's program that mm -hmm. i need all the facts sometimes to mm -hmm. be able to make an educated and, and informed decision mm -hmm. sometimes i can't jump into things without being able to f properly f have all of the data that i need to mm -hmm. be able to decide and i think that was a clip i'm trying to live in this space of understanding the full picture before mm -hmm. i jump to conclusions because i've jumped to conclusions my whole life and mm -hmm. that didn't work out for me mm -hmm. so that's where this um mba program is stretching me i want to know everything so when that full interview comes out i'll be able to make a better yeah. decision as to how i feel about gail king but i know historically Gail and Oprah have done some interesting things that are not for the culture, but I also know they've done a lot of things that are for the culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm challenged in writing them off or saying they're whatever. Mm -hmm. Oprah is basically like my sister godmother. I hope in my lifetime to meet her mm -hmm. and be able to do something with her in yeah. some capacity. And yeah. I just have so much respect for her and the people she's mentored and groomed and the sacrifices mm -hmm. she's made in her career. So it's like, can I write her off? completely for these decisions that she's done recently with Spike Lee and mm -hmm. all these mm -hmm. things or do I take into consideration the full the spectrum, full spectrum of, what of she's how done she's us. contributed to our culture mm -hmm. it's like asking you to question your womanhood or mm -hmm. question your race we're survivors of sexual mm -hmm. assault so if this is an area of concern for her and Gail because it is a very 
silenced or diminished topic in mm-hmm. our community and they're using their platform to bring more attention to it and why we suffocate that discussion when it comes to black men mm-hmm. um i'm support i'm in support of that because too many black women suffer at the hands of black men mm-hmm. but if you're using that platform to tarnish a black man's legacy on a white platform mm-hmm. when it's a white woman who we don't even know if it's truthful or not mm-hmm. then i have some questions but i think that's where the conflict lies with a lot of people it's very conflicting because we grew up with oprah and like specifically for me oprah was my motivation to get into broadcasting and we were talking about this earlier she was everything for me who else is there like i literally (laughs) i know that too i love me some wendy i love me some wendy (laughs) but she's not an oprah i um applied to ryerson university and i wrote about her in my essay as to the motivation and my mom even said sis you you too black right now My mom was like, there's too much Oprah. Take the Oprah out. Like, a little bit less Oprah. So, that for me is what's conflicting about this whole thing. Because she motivating a, motivated a whole generation of women, black women, to want to aspire to be great. Mm-hmm. That we've never really seen before. And now, looking at things... It's so conflicting because coming out of that camp, the Gail and Oprah camp, our narratives of not supporting black men and throwing black men under the bus, which is what is conflicting for a lot of people. And I think it's all about the messenger because Mm -hmm. I saw Snoop Dogg come up recently and Mm -hmm. talk about it. Mm -hmm. But Snoop, you have no credibility. You've disrespected your black wife for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. You have humiliated her. Mm -hmm. But and and like, I don't care about what you have to say. And that's what I was going to ask as well. I found that a lot of the people or the most vocal people against Gail are black women abusers are black men are black men and but they're caping for Kobe but Kobe was not married to a black woman so I'm sorry but Mm -hmm. like that context is lost Mm -hmm. yes he was a man that did a lot for our culture but did he prioritize marrying black and being Mm -hmm. uh, having a black family no like his he fell in love with a beautiful woman on the set of his music video and he was with her and Mm -hmm. you know that's as far as it goes but like was he a proponent for black women? Mm-hmm. Was he standing up for black women? No. So I don't like I'm very conflicted on it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I admire and respect him for the man he was and how supportive he was for so many careers. Mm-hmm. So, so many, many people. people like, yeah everybody he's just you don't even know that he's behind this person helping Mm -hmm, them but he's mm -hmm. and that's the best kind of people kind of like nipsey right but at the end of the day like snoop you're the wrong messenger sit down first of all you Mm -hmm. don't respect your black wife it's now transitioned to black men versus black women instead of offenders versus the rest of the world but it's a great there's a greater conversation to be had as to why Black men are the first one to call Gail a dog-headed ass bitch mm-hmm. or whatever Snoop called her. There's all an expectation so... that we have their back no matter what, mm-hmm. even at our own demise, even at our own, as a caveat to our own mere existence. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to have their back. Everyone else can fail them, can question them, can throw them under the bus or ruin their lives. Um, but we're supposed to stand and brunt and, and take the brunt forth trauma of every single thing that mm-hmm. is thrown at us in support of black men. Mm-hmm. And there is that expectation. So there was this article in SS Magazine, uh, the writer's Alison McGevna, and she said, and I quote, if the backlash to King clarifies anything, it is that retribution never seems more swift than when black women step outside of the confines of how a black man expects us to speak, act, or think. It is how some people in the black communities can go from extolling the virtues of being a girl dad one moment to being out for blood of a woman who dared to go off of their approved script of behavior the next. Yeah, so we're at the bottom of the totem pole when Mm -hmm. it comes to respect and us being able to vocalize our truths, Mm -hmm. especially in the face of tragedy. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be in support of them. And if we go against them, you can be a whole ass married to a non-black woman and never bat your eye at a black woman your whole life. Mm-hmm. But in death, 
we still have to worship you mm-hmm. and succumb to everything in support of you ties back into this unprotected unsupported mm. unloved unsupported mm. sorry i said that already mm-hmm. um and it was a messenger right like if that had come from somebody else who has actually been like a denzel washington mm-hmm. or somebody that has actually been a supporter of black women married to a black woman and respect black women yeah i would probably maybe listen to it differently Mm -hmm. i was offended yes at her at the timing but i don't think she asked anything wrong Mm -hmm. i don't think what she asked was insensitive at all i think it's a real question like somebody's sexual Mm -hmm. deviance or Mm -hmm. a decision that they make that put somebody else at risk spiritually mentally that is something that we all mm-hmm. need to question especially if that's a leader in society that we respect mm-hmm. and that we revere he has daughters but, right? but you know what the thing is a lot of people don't question the initial question that she asked in terms of whether or not this is a part of his legacy and how you feel about this being a part of his legacy i think the back and forth of the interview where she was challenging lisa was the problem that people had with it. Okay. Because Lisa said, like, for me, in my experience, I never saw that. But that vitriol towards Gail, the black woman, and I'm not defending Gail because I have, I already have her on my cancellation list. Really? I've, I've canceled Oprah, unfortunately. What? I know. I'll never cancel Oprah. I'm sorry. Aquarius for that. Don't, don't say never. <laughs> but why are you not talking about Harvey Weinstein? Mm-hmm. That is where that, everyone's upset. That that's what is I'm where we're mad. This is where we're upset because yeah. you're trying to convict Kobe in death. Yeah, based on something that happened who was alive in, right now. That, that yeah. no, the thing is, he was alive. However, many seventeen years after it happened, he had a whole retirement and like a literal tour of retirement mm-hmm. when he was retiring from the NBA. You had more than enough opportunity to ask this yeah. man about this while he was here. Now mm-hmm. in death, you but want his PR to. People would protect him from that, of course, but still, but still, yeah, but yeah, still, yeah. you had opportunities. Now that he's no longer here to defend himself, you want to convict him of something that has already been resolved. And I think that's what a lot of people have problems with we need it to be equal on both ends yeah, yeah, yeah. if you are going to Keep convict if you're going to convict kobe yes. in death convict weinstein Harvey in, life, in yeah. life so i think there probably is stuff that's happening that we don't know that we don't know about he it's still in the motions it's still in the process so just because it was expedited for cosby and lee and all these other men's like i think cuba gooding jr but during like but men. during the time that but, this was going on though amoy during the time that this was going on it was a whole entire distraction because harvey weinstein's trial was happening at the same time it's actually been wrapped up so in the past couple of weeks harvey weinstein went on trial for all the women that yeah, he it just wasn't he settled a 40 million dollar lawsuit against multiple women mm-hmm. that was never a, a topic of conversation mm-hmm. oprah and gail are like close friends to this man yeah. and they've never interviewed not one victim not one documentary nothing was ever yeah. processed or told about this particular person but they want to convict and condemn black, other men, black men other black men I and think, i think that's the problem that people have with this narrative and i'm not okaying it i'm mm-hmm. saying somebody needs to do it Mm-hmm. Black men are not absolved of responsibility mm-hmm. from ab- for abusing us, and I'm happy that they did that to my mm-hmm. uh, R. Kelly because that was happening in our community for way too long, mm-hmm. and nobody was addressing it. Someone needs to do it. I don't have an answer for why they're not doing it, but I'm not counting Oprah out. I feel like eventually. She, maybe she's working on it. Maybe she's about to address mm-hmm. it. I'm just saying I'm not gonna be. I'm not going to be removed from the fact that there's a potential that she'll come out with something about it and bring. So what if she doesn't? If she doesn't, then she's canceled. But she still has some okay. time. She okay. had you're like giving two her time. Years. Okay. Yo, if she doesn't, then fine. I then will join the cancellation okay. train. All right. But I'm not going to write off Oprah. The woman has like created every person that's in broadcasting mm-hmm. right now as a black person or any person that has a mm-hmm. stage or opportunity to do something. All those people that got cars in 2005. You think that <laughs> their lives are getting easier to go to work? I could, I should cancel that. All the good that she's done. You're waiting to hold out hope that she will do something. <laughs> I Weinstein. feel firmly that she's going to address it. I don't think. I so. don't know why, and she'll probably come out and explain that. Mm-hmm. Maybe in her later retirement of the old network, maybe she's going to come out and say. You know, yeah. But if you notice, she's done a lot of content recently for us, by us. She's backing Tyler Perry like crazy. She's Mm -hmm. doing a lot of things for us. And I think her lens is 
the black community mm-hmm. right now. And so I don't know why she hasn't addressed it yet, but I just feel that she might. And if she doesn't, it's problematic for me if she doesn't. It is problematic. It but, is. And it's not, it's not neutral journalism. It's very biased. Yeah. So we're waiting, <laughs> Oprah and Gail, for Oprah, that Weinstein documentary. We're and if waiting. it doesn't come, Amoya says you canceled. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. There's a new Tupac movie coming out. Really? Is there? There is. So a new film is claiming that the rapper Tupac Shakur is actually alive and well and living as a part of the Native American tribe in Mexico. Now, the documentary is titled Tupac, The Great Escape from UMC. And it claims that the rapper was informed about the planned hit on him when he arrived in Las Vegas in September 1996. And he then planted a body double in um, Suge Knight's car. And still ended up at UMC Medical Center after the shooting. And he eventually was airlifted. So this is a story. He Mm -hmm. eventually was airlifted from a private shopper to New Mexico, then taken to live under the protection of the Navajo tribe because authorities cannot enter a tribal community or land without permission. And how long did Tupac die again? 23 years? This was 1996. 1996. So So almost 24 years. Yes. So the filmmaker Rick Boss told KTNV, a TV station in the States, that he insisted that the plot is not a wild fantasy, but facts gained through his close connections to Shakur Mm -hmm. and his inner circle. He said, and I quote, this is not a fiction. This is facts through certain people I know. So this whole thing about Tupac still being alive, it's been a topic of conversation since 19, how long since he passed. He had this whole thing about the Machiavelli. As you know, this was a leader from way back, a couple hundreds of years ago that faked his death. And his uh, Tupac's album, last album before he passed or after he passed, was called Machiavelli, the seven day theory. So he kind of positioned himself in that line of faking his death. Mm type of thing so this is not far-fetched sightings of him or for the past like 20 years people have been saying oh i saw tupac here i saw tupac there or whatever the first five years after he passed they were releasing music videos with him in it so people have always speculated even suge knight speculated and gave the same type of story of him faking his death so they're calling this a fiction um not they're not calling it a fiction that is actual fact And according to Boss, Tupac's family is aware about the documentary. And he said, let's just say the family is aware of the movie and they're okay with the title. So that should tell you more or less about what's going on. So apparently he's in New Mexico. So I'm going to watch this when it comes out. Yeah, I'll be your date. (laughs) Right? I need to know. I need to know. Because I've heard this. And we've all heard these stories and these crazy urban legends about Tupac still being alive. We'll take in this documentary with a grain of salt and see what's what's going on. Erica Badu. So she has a new scent. And this is. Yes. Yes, Auntie. Right? Erica Badu actually gave you Amoye, your nickname. Yes, she calls me Amoye. Amoye. Erica Badu was actually a part of Afro Chic last year. 2018, was it? 2018. Afro Chic. And it was amazing. And she's actually in the process of creating an online store named Badu. It's Badu World Market. Mm-hmm. And she will be selling a plethora of things to all her fans. And one of those items is a fragrance that smells like her. <laughs> her smells like her or her organ, her female organ. Mm. So in an interview with 10 Magazine, Badu revealed that she'll, she's working on a new perfume by the name of Badu Pussy. Yes. And it smells exactly how it sounds. So she went on to explain the reason why she decided to uh, create the fragrance. And she says, there's an urban legend that my pussy changes men. (laughs) The men that I have fallen in love with and that have fallen in love with me change jobs and lives. So as you know, I don't know if you do know, but when she was dating Andre 3000, he was a completely different person. When she dated Common, he changed to a completely different person. So this is definitely urban legend in terms of Erica Badu's pussy. So she's making money off of it now. So she's saying that she actually cut up a pair of her underwear and burned them. And even the ashes of her underwear are part of it. 
So I don't know. Uh, Would you wear the scent, Amoy? I probably wouldn't wear the scent. (laughs) Badu pussy. Um, But I do think she is onto something. Mm. Erica Badu has a luxury because of her celebrity and star power of, you know, Mm -hmm. marketing this type of system. However, I don't wouldn't try this at home. <laughs> Burning your drawers to Burning create a scent. To create a scent, <laughs> and I just don't think that's something that we should be practicing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I support Mama Badu because she's like everything, mm-hmm. and I love her so much. And she's like right, incredible. And she gave you Omoye. And she t- calls me Omoye. And how is Omoye doing? I love Omoye. How you doing? And I'm just. I just love her. Yes, Mama Badu. Okay. I mean, I would eventually like to create a sense of my vagina because I feel like it changes lives as well. Amen. (laughs) Hopefully one day, such a pretty mess perfume will be on (laughs) the store shelves. Um, But we'll keep you posted on how this pussy smell goes in her shop. February 20th. Is when it opens up. Is when it opens up. Is that Wednesday? Let's see. I yeah, think Thursday, oh God, Thursday, okay. just now. Yep. Perfect. And the numbers that she's chosen because her birthday's coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's like really powerful. It's going to be lit. Amazing. Oh my God. Okay. Badu pussy, y'all. I'm here for it. I'm here I want for Misha it. pussy on stands. <laughs> Anyways. <Yes. laughs> Misha's tea is best served hot. Follow Misha throughout the week at Miss Misha Gay on Instagram and Twitter. All right. So let's get wrapped up. Thank you so much, Amoy. Yes, it was a pleasure for coming on such a pretty podcast. I, I do know you pretty had, time. You had such a pretty time. Yes, a little tipsy time too. Tipsy, yeah. <laughs> do you have anything coming up that you would like to talk about? I know you're currently doing your MBA at yes. one of the best business schools in Canada. Thank you. So, oh my god. Um, well, number one, let's just cheers for such a pretty podcast. <laughs> Because this is such a necessary platform for the Sisbista Ratchets out there like myself. Dolls. Who are just multifaceted. Mm-hmm. We like to twerk, but we like to listen to Badu. Exactly. And we like to, you know, like read our books, but also drink Henny. Shots of um, Hennessy. They're currently <laughs> right in front of us. <laughs> so it's we, a good balance yes. and a good safe space. Yes. Um, so in terms of what I have coming up next, uh, Afro Chic 10, our 10-year mm-hmm. anniversary is happening this summer. Oh. So stay locked. We have an incredible man that we're bringing uh, as our headliner this okay. year to have a really important conversation um, about creativity mm-hmm. and economic inclusion and building generational wealth. Um, we are, you know, locking in some really key partnerships with some top brands. So you want to network, you want to meet some brands, mm-hmm. come to Afro Chic, Pitch Better. We are going to do our next um, workshop in Ottawa. We've been supported by Alterna Savings Bank. Mm-hmm. So we have our next workshop. So for all the Ottawa listeners out there, stay locked for Pitch Better in Ottawa, as well as um, our people in Nova Scotia will be in mm-hmm. Nova Scotia as well. Um, in in uh, the month of March, nice. that should be really really exciting. Um, yeah, and just me overall. If you want to reach out to me, if you want to work with me, if you need a consultant mm-hmm. or a second eyes, um, second pair of eyes on your business strategy, your idea, you can hit me up amoyamoyhenry.com. I am, you know, always open to taking a look and supporting what I can. And if I can't, I will ask you to complete a questionnaire and we mm-hmm. can you know work out an invoice and work out something that makes sense um, my email is amoy.mba2021 at ivy.ca um, and you can always reach me there or on my amoy henry amoy at amoyhenry.com mm-hmm. thank you so much no problem. queen queen, queen. i you. love it i truly appreciate you and i like to end the show with some words of wisdom And I used to end it with other people's words of wisdom, but then I realized I have words (laughs) (laughs) of wisdom. And guess what? You won't get these words. Okay. I just want to wrap this up by saying in terms of 2020 and the vision being clear and what you want for your future, make sure that you are clear in what you want from yourself, your business, and what you want from others. So clarity and being honest 
with yourself is going to get you to the next level. Mm. Living authentically, right? Yes, living authentically and being the person that you are. And I know it takes a a long time to get to that point where you Mm. are accepting of who you are and what you want and what you want from others in the way that they deal with you. So it takes a moment to get to that. And self-awareness is a part of that whole process in getting to that point. But live authentically and make sure you go after everything that you want, even if you have to dumb it down for some people mm-hmm. that don't understand mm-hmm. it. Put the candy in the medicine, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to get that. it done. I learned that. That's yes. what Afro-Chic is about now. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned. And pitch better. Yeah. People like things that are sexy and palatable, right? Mm-hmm. People like things that are <laughs> sexy and palatable. Yes. So, so if you that's have to dumb... Culture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you have it dumb, to dumb it down and make it more palatable to others in order to receive it, then that's what you have to do. Don't be so strong and forceful in well if they don't get it they don't get it sometimes you have to do that and eventually we get to a point where we don't have to dumb it down and we don't have to you know do certain things to make men comfortable in order to do business with us Mm -hmm. but at this point that's what we have to do ladies (laughs) and black women especially so do you have any words of wisdom for our ladies out there the person you become in the process of chasing your dreams is actually more important than the dream itself yes Facts. Right? Facts. The person you become in the process of chasing your dreams is actually more important than the dream itself. Mm -hmm. So remember yourself. Send to yourself and always stay true to you while you're chasing your dreams. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening to such a pretty podcast. I'm Miss Misha Gay. You can find me at Miss Misha Gay on Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Amoy Henry. On, on Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook and Twitter and now. All that jazz. Yes, I have Global. two followers, so follow me <laughs> on Instagram. I mean, on Twitter. on Twitter. I just created a Twitter for my yes. MBA um, learning group. So mm-hmm. follow me, guys. Follow all your news outlets. Yes, That's what I I'm use Twitter for. Yes. business tips and all, all that. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, coming up, interviews with Malaysia. We're going to do a girls' chat coming up as well. And we have some fun stuff. We're going to be filmed shortly. Such a pretty podcast. So we'll have a video component uploaded on YouTube. And we'll go from there. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to a great show. Cheers. <laughs>